Say something, I'm giving up on you I'll be the one if you want me to Welcome to the Christians with Questions podcast. My name is Josh Fultz, and I am your host. And as we begin, I want to say thanks so much for tuning in and joining us as we discuss various things. Today, we have a question submitted from a listener, and they write, What do I do when I feel like I don't love my spouse anymore? Now, in that question, I'm sure there's probably a little bit of pain behind the question because that is a difficult place to be. I know for me, when, when things aren't right at home, uh, when, when there's a rift in a relationship, uh, that trickles into all of the other areas of your life. And so it's hard when you feel like things aren't there in your marriage relationship, when you feel things aren't right with your spouse. Now, I know we also have some, some younger listeners you know, under the age of 18 that probably are not married, and they think, well, psh, this is talking about marriage. Maybe this isn't, irrelevant. Maybe this is, isn't relevant to me. And really, this discussion is probably best to have before you get married, so I hope you'll continue to, to take this journey with us as we dive into this discussion about what do we do when we feel like we don't love our spouse anymore. And so to begin, I'm going to borrow from the tradition of the Greeks and talk about the different types of love. Now, as Americans, you know, as Westerners, we use the word love incredibly flippantly. It's, it's nearly lost its meaning in our society because we may use the word love to say, I love my children. We could use that same word to say, oh, I love God. Um, we could say, I love my spouse, but then we might also love a movie that we just watched or a slice of pizza. And certainly one spouse and a piece of pizza aren't on the same level, unless that is just a really killer piece of pizza, right? But clearly they're not the same. And so the Greeks had different words for love to describe different elements of it. And C.S. Lewis um, did some great work here, too, in his writing, The Four Loves. And if you haven't checked that out, it would be great, too, because it has some really good information. But the Greeks used um, the, the words eros, philea, storge, and agape uh, when it comes to, to love and the different types of love. And so I think it's best to start out defining what love is so we know exactly what we mean when we say, I feel like I don't love my spouse anymore. Now, to begin with, we've got the word eros, which is exactly probably what you think it is, where we get our word erotic. And so eros is erotic or passionate love. This is the, the, the crackle, the snap, the pop of love. It's passionate. And it's not always a good thing necessarily because it's more sexual attraction. This is the more sensual element. Of love. Now, it, it's certainly a part of a marriage, and it can be a great part of a marriage, um, but it's not great when you have arrows towards somebody else that's not your spouse. Certainly, that's a problem. So, arrows is fiery, and you can get burned by it, but certainly it's a part of a marital relationship. And then we've got phileo, which is brotherly love. City of Philadelphia, you can see the, the root word there. And it's a, a love of friends. It's an egalitarian type of love where you see someone else as your equal. And, you know, this is also a part of marriage. Friendship, 
I believe is really one of the anchors of marriage. You have to be friends with the person that you're in a relationship with. And this is something that should get better over time. And even in a marriage, as Eros sort of declines, uh, Philea should sort steadily be building. Because think about the couple that's been together for 50 or so years. Uh, that's a long time to be together. Now, their Eros may not be what it was when they were in their 20s, but certainly the Philea should have grown over the years. And then there's storge, which is the love of a, of a parent for a child. And you, you think about it. You know, if you have children or if you are a child, either way you can put yourself in this context. A parent loves a child regardless, right? You know, there's the old saying of, oh man, they have a face only a mother could love. Well, that's right, because a mom or a dad sees their kids in such a way that they'll, they'll tolerate even problems, even things that they don't like, because that's their child. And believe it or not, this sort of love is in a relationship as well, in a marriage as well, or it should be, um, because Storge is willing to overlook the faults in the other person and tolerate those, because you know what? No person is perfect. No marriage is perfect. And each of us bring our personality defects and our problems into that relationship. And so in a lot of ways, marriage is two broken people trying to figure out how to make a relationship work, and it has its sets of challenges. And then last, of course, there is agape love. And this is the, the, God, the love that God has for mankind. And it's given whether or not it's returned. And so God loves me because of who he is. The Bible says that God is love. That's his nature to be loving. And so God loves me regardless of whether or not I return that love for God. Um, you know, the Bible says that God the Father sent the Son to die on the cross um, for our sins. And so that is, that is love. And so agape is the type of love that it's there even when it's not returned or given back. Now certainly a marriage has all of these loves. But when we say, well, I feel like I don't love my spouse. Well, which, which forms of this love, these loves are we missing? Well, we could definitely be missing the arrows when we're there. It's, it's likely that the, the sizzle has evaporated. We could be missing the philea where we just don't feel like we're friends anymore. We've drifted apart. And so that emotional aspect of it is gone. But what can remain and be consistent, even when the feelings aren't there, is storge, a parental type of love, and agape, a, a godly type of love. Both of those can remain and should remain, uh, even when the, the arrows, the pop and the sizzle, and the friendship seems to be not there in the moment. And so storge doesn't pay attention to whether, whether the other person is worthy of our love. It endures because we almost can't help ourselves. There's a joining there, that the bond there that's, that's been established. And also agape, which is a love, an unconditional love through thick and thin, even when things aren't good. And so when we say, you know, I feel like I don't love my spouse, generally what we mean is to say that the feelings have sort of been taken off the table right now. The friendship isn't where it used to be. Um, the sizzle is gone. But the great thing is, and we'll get to this a little further, that those are things that can come back. And so I think we should from there think of things in this way, that marriage is seasonal. Now, when people get married, I think it's always a great idea 
to do some some preparation for that because marriage is hard you know and it's painted relationships are painted like they're always great um, in a lot of ways and in different forms of media and movies that they're always great and that it's going to be smooth sailing and it's anything but that marriage is seasonal there are seasons where marriage is great and everything's wonderful but there are also dry seasons as well and when you think about the seasons that we have which if you're in texas it's really just summer all year long with a couple of cold days but traditionally seasons of spring summer winter and fall that equates to marriage in such a way because you will have patches where things are you know like spring everything is green and wonderful and everybody's happy to be together and you're great friends and there's all these wonderful warm emotions and it's so great um, when you have those seasons but then there's also you know the, the summers where things are hot and heavy so to speak where you feel in love and even the eros is there it's passionate it's great but then there's fall and there's winter where in fall things maybe are a little more sparse and the relationship is, you know, a little starting to cool down a little. But then there's also those patches of winter where things are icy and you just don't feel close. Well, you know, if everybody has these seasons in their marriage, well, if we didn't have agape and storge, when we got to winter, when, we start, when things started cooling off in fall, everybody would just throw in the towel and give up there. And so a big part of being quote unquote in love is choosing to love that person throughout the winter. It's choosing to love that person um, when there's a drought. It's choosing to love that person when things have just cooled down or when you're both going through difficulty and tragedy and trauma strikes. And here's the thing, it's going to happen. Things can't stay good all the time because we live in a fallen world. And so marriage is very much seasonal. And we have to choose to love our spouse through those seasons. The Bible says that a man should leave his father and his mother and cling to his, cling or cleave to his spouse, right? And so it is a commitment. Now, I know people will, will ask the question, well, is divorce ever an option? Well, there are certain contexts where, you know, many believe that it is. I believe that it is in certain, in certain qualifications, um, but I don't think it's what God had ever intended. And so certainly there's ongoing infidelity where someone is unwilling to change or in cases of domestic violence or abuse um, we have to make some allowances there but outside of that marriage is a commitment and that's why if you're not married you have to really think hard about who you're willing to saddle yourself with for the rest of your life and be committed to and so marriage is it's it's very much seasonal and i think it's um, relevant here when we speak of this commitment to look at the, the famous passage that Paul writes about in 1 Corinthians 13. You know, the, it's the, the passage that many people have at their weddings, but a lot of people don't really take the time to think about what it means at their wedding. And so Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 13, 4, he says that love is patient. Now, what does it mean when it says love is patient? It means here not seeking retaliation when you're wronged. Now, how hard is that? You know, even in, a, in the context of a husband and wife, when one spouse does something to another, the immediate guttural knee-jerk reaction is to do something to inflict pain back on that person. It's tit for tat. Paul says that's not, that's not what love is. That love is patient. That it's kind. You know, kindness being that we, we seek the best for the other person. It says that it doesn't envy or that it doesn't boast. 
When we talk about envying, it means we celebrate the successes and the victories of our spouse. We put them in the best light that we possibly can. And my wife always tells me this, and I really appreciate this about her. She'll say, you know what, I may be mad at you, or I may think you didn't make a great decision in a certain place, but I'm never going to say that in front of someone else because I always want people to think that I'm building you up and that I'm celebrating your successes. And that has always made me feel I'm so great in our relationship. So love doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not arrogant. Um, it's not condescending toward the other person. You know, I see sometimes in couples where, where one spouse will constantly be condescending and put the other person down. That's not a loving thing. It's not rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. And oh man, selfishness in a marriage is a, a sure way to kill a relationship. You just There's no room for selfishness in a marriage. So it says it doesn't insist on its own way. There's um, this balance there where certainly we have needs and wants, but we also have to keep in mind this other person that we have committed ourselves to also has needs and wants. And so we can't insist on our own way. And I know over the last 12 years that I've been married, God has just chipped away and chipped away and chipped away at my need to have what I want because that's what comes natural. It's not irritable or resentful. That is to say, it doesn't hold on to old hurts. We forgive and we move past. And some of these things we're going to elaborate on. It doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing, but it rejoices with the truth. And so he says that love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And what a challenging passage this is. But it says love never ends. And this goes back to that agape love, that love is ongoing, that truthfully you can't quote unquote fall out of love with somebody because ultimately love is a commitment. And so when we have those feelings of not loving our spouse anymore, or we feel like those feelings have gone away where we don't love our spouse anymore, part of that is just seeing the commitment that we made. And that is actually love. So we do love our spouse because we made that commitment, but we don't have the feelings that are there. And so in the area of commitment, we also have to be willing to shut the door. And what we're shutting the door on is those thoughts of, you know what, I would be happier with someone else, or I would be happier single, or maybe I would be happier like I was in college when I was, you know, free and can do what I want, wanted and didn't have all of these commitments and I wasn't bogged down. If we're having those thoughts in our marriage, it's time to shut the door because those thoughts are an option. You're not single and free anymore. You don't have rightfully the option to go find someone else. And here's, here's the newsflash, and we'll get to this too. You're not going to be any happier with someone else long term. You may be happier in the moment because you have those feelings of eros or philea, and the, you know, the, the pop and sizzles there and the friendships there. But every relationship is seasonal. And so when we get to this place where we feel like we don't love our spouse anymore, we also have to be willing to change our mind. Uh, change your mind and emotions will follow. Now, one thing we don't think about as people is how much we have control of things volitionally. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, we tend to be people often that are moved by emotion. And so when the emotion is there, it feels like the right thing to do. And so what we have to do when we get into the situation where we feel like we don't love our spouse anymore is we have to really start to challenge our self-talk. You know, everybody talks to themselves all day long. And so when you're in a place where you feel like you don't love your spouse, it's easy to start to become critical of that person. It's easy to, um, you know, think about when things were, were good and they're not good anymore or how things could be better if you were in a different situation. 
But we have to be willing to change our mind, to say and reframe the way that we think about things and to say, you know what, um, I made a commitment to this person. I'm here. There's, I'm, not, I'm not moving on. I'm not leaving. And so we have to change our mind and really think about what we, um, what we process mentally. And so some thoughts don't need to be there. It goes back to shutting the door. But if we make a willful decision, eventually, as long as we work on the things that need to be worked on with that, within that marriage, the emotions will come back. Um, again, marriage is seasonal. And so I think we also have to get to the bottom of why our feelings have changed. What are the things that contribute to us feeling like we don't love this person anymore? What are the things that contribute to us not having the feelings anymore of friendship or you know the feelings of attraction? What, what's different? So look back when things were great in your relationship, whether that's been a year ago or five years ago. I don't know how long this feeling has been going on. But look back and say, okay, what did we do? What were we doing when things were good, when I was happy? And it may be that we've just stopped doing the things that make a relationship work. It could also be that trauma has trickled into your life or difficulty has trickled into your life, and you're both just trying to survive and cope. And in that, there needs to be some conversations, and there needs to be some things that are, that are worked through. Another area we probably need to look at is the area of expectations. Now, me and my wife say this all the time that marriage isn't necessarily to make you happy, it's to make you holy. Now, I know some will push back at that and say, well, marriage is supposed to make you happy. And you're right. I mean, certainly God created marriage as something that was good. I mean, he, he pronounced it good, that it's enjoyable. God looked into the, the life of Adam in Genesis. And this is the first time in Genesis that we see God say, hey, this isn't good. So he created everything. He said everything is good. And then he sees Adam alone, doesn't have a helpmeet, as the Bible says, and he says, this isn't good. And so God brought men and women together because it's a good thing and it brings happiness. But every moment of your marital relationship isn't going to be blissful happiness. And so in marriage, God is teaching us what it means to live in community. And he's teaching us what it means to pursue holiness as well. And so marriage isn't always going to make you happy. And so in this, we have to look at our expectations. And a lot of times we set our expectations high and no one can fulfill that. No other person is going to make you happy all the days of your life. If you're not happy without marriage, you'll never be happy with marriage because we have to, This again, this goes back to something volitional. We have to be willing to choose to be happy because life isn't always good. Bad things happen. Sickness comes into our lives. Sadness comes into our lives. Tension and relational conflict. And so marriage isn't always going to make us happy. And so we have to ask ourselves, do I have a reasonable expectation of this person that I'm married to? Um, are my expectations of my wife realistic? Are my expectations of my husband realistic? And a lot of times they seem realistic to us, but maybe we need to process this with someone else and say, okay, are these realistic? Are these um, expectations realistic? This is one thing that I think of, of, of counseling and what's so beneficial about entering into a relationship with a therapist is they can sort of challenge our, our reality, so to speak. Now, reality is what it is, whether we want it to be that way or not, but sometimes how we view reality gets skewed and slanted. And so sometimes it's good to have a person outside of our immediate world that we can talk to and say, okay, is this normal? Are my expectations healthy? And so are your expectations of your spouse reasonable? 
And if they're not reasonable, we have to adjust those expectations. And sometimes what may be a reasonable expectation of one person may not be a reasonable expectation of another because we're all different people and we have different uh, limiters in our lives and we have different hangups and different hurts. And so some people can give things in a relationship that perhaps another person can't give and we have to have reasonable expectations. Another thing to think about too is uh, the concept of an emotional bank account. Now, if you think of your relationship with your spouse like your checking account, right, or your savings account, um, you know, you keep putting money in this account, money in this account, money in this account, ideally. I mean, I love putting money in my account. When you put money in your bank account, let's say um, you have a, an unexpected expense come up, uh, you know, you, you need to replace the, the, the radiator or the hot water heater at the house um, explodes and is leaking water or, you know, some emergency comes up. If you don't have enough money in your bank account, you're going to be overdrawn and that's going to be a problem for you because either you can't fix what you need to fix um, or you're going to get into some difficulty financially. And so it's the same way in marriage. We have to constantly be making these deposits in our you know, relational, our emotional bank account. Us and our spouse both have to be continually putting these deposits into that account so when those winters come, when those lean times come, when it's difficult, we have enough relational and emotional reserves to weather that time. And so what I see happen in the lives of men and women so often is this. They, the friendship element has sort of fallen to the side and they don't do those things that put the, the emotional energy into their bank account. They don't do those things together that they enjoy. They don't make time for themselves. They don't get away sometimes without the kids. Um, they don't talk together. They don't um, speak to each other in ways that build each other up. And if you don't continually put that emotion uh, into the bank, you know these, these deposits into the bank, both relationally and emotionally, when difficult times come, you are certainly going to feel like you don't love your spouse anymore because there's nothing to draw on to get you through that difficult period. Now, a lot of people, when they get to the point where they feel like, I don't love my spouse anymore, um, if you talk to them and they're seriously thinking about exiting that relationship and you say, well, do you think you'll ever get another relationship? They'll say, well, probably not right now, but I would like to spend you know, my life with someone someday because nobody wants to grow old alone, generally. Most people don't want to grow old alone. Well, here's the thing. If you plan to be in a relationship with someone someday, why not just start over, so to speak, with your spouse? You have all this investment. You have all of this history. Um, so start over with them because here's the thing. Every relationship is seasonal. And every relationship is going to have difficulty. And if we're naive enough to think that if we get out of this relationship and we get into another relationship, that things are going to be better there, it's just not rational. All you're doing is trading one set of problems and inheriting a new set of problems because to be in a marriage is to inherit a set of problems. I brought my problems to my marriage and my wife brought her problems to the marriage. And so instead of starting at hitting the reset button and with another person, hit the reset button, so to speak, in the relationship that you're in. And do the things that you first did when the emotions and the feelings and the friendship was growing. Um, I'll tell you this, last weekend my wife and I went back to um, Tyler, Texas, which is 
really where we quote unquote fell in love and started to form this relationship. And when we were there, it got all up in my feels because we were, you know, we were at places where we had a first date. Um, we were at the, all the different places that we used to enjoy. And, you know, when we were driving through the town, I was like, Hey, remember when we did this there? And remember when we saw this person there? And remember that time when we were in grad school and we did this? And John Gottman calls this love mapping, who is a tremendous marriage therapist. And sometimes you just sort of have to, to remap things. What did you do when you first started falling in love? And go back and do some of that. Take a trip. Um, and it doesn't have to be an expensive trip. For us, it could have just been to drive to Tyler. Um, and do those things. Be reminded of those things that you have a history together. Explore some old memories. What drew you together? Make some time to start to reinvest in your relationship. And I think something else we have to say when it involves feeling like we don't love our spouse is we also have to own our problems. You know, people are complex. Marriage is certainly complex. And it's real easy when we feel like we don't love our spouse to focus on all the things that we don't like about our spouse. And if you look for it, you'll find it because we are fallen sinful people. But we also have to be willing to own our problems in a marriage as well. And well, in any relationship, but especially in a marriage. And over the years, there's been character defects, personality defects that I've had to own and deal with. Um, I can remember on a couple occasions where um, somebody's spoken in my life and said, hey, this is a problem in your life. And our, our knee-jerk reaction is to say, well, you know what? You have problems too. Well, yeah, of course, everybody does. But we can't rationalize and we can't um, you know, try to gloss over our problems, we also have to realize that we bring into this marriage something as well, and that's our problems, and we have to take ownership of that. And a lot of times in a marriage, you've got two people pointing the finger at somebody else, saying, you're the reason that I'm unhappy in this marriage, when the, the full honesty of the situation is, we're probably both to blame for why I'm not happy in this marriage right now, while the feelings aren't there right now. Because I am need to adjust my expectations and I need to adjust the way that I think about things. And I also need to realize that some of the things that I do that aren't good affect you negatively and they bring problems into our relationship. So we have to own our problems as well. And certainly in this, there's you know a spiritual element as well. I honestly don't know how people who aren't Christians manage to actually stay committed and make a relationship work. And so marriage is difficult, and if we don't have God in that relationship, if we're not praying together, if we're not being fed the Word of God, and certainly if we are not connected to a local community of Christians, I think that it's really difficult to manage and navigate a marital relationship. Um, and Because we need other people that can support us and prop us up and care about us and speak truth into our lives. And then really the last thing that I want to talk about when you are in the place where you feel like you don't love your spouse, is to talk and get some support. Um, you know, what is it that you're needing? Um, communicate. Communicate honestly. And for you know, a husband and a wife to get to a different place, both parties have to be willing to listen. And this is hard, but you also have to be willing to hear things you don't like. Um, and that's how this works. You have to be willing to listen to your spouse say, you know what, you've been doing this for years now, and I just don't like it. Or I don't like the person that you've become in this category. And we have to be willing to hear these things. Um, because if we're not, 
willing to hear those things, we can't change things and things are going to stay exactly like they are. But you also have to be willing to speak to your spouse and say, hey, this is a problem. Because until you verbalize it, they may have no idea of what's going on in your heart and in your mind. And so we have to be willing to communicate honestly and hear things that we don't like. But the goal is for both people to get to a better place and for those feelings of, you know, um, phileo to rise back up and that friendship to be there. And maybe even eros as well. And that's certainly a part of marriage. And so we want all of these loves present. But what we also have to remember is when one or two of these loves falls by the wayside, that it's seasonal and um, that we still have the other loves, the commitment aspect of this that gets us through those hard times. And what I believe is if for many people in a marriage, if you give yourself a way out, you'll take it. Let me use this analogy. Um, I've recently started to enjoy CrossFit and it's a challenge for me. Um, But when I'm having to work out, and I don't really love working out, I like the way it makes me feel, but I don't like the process of it. There's something about bringing physical pain into my life that I just don't enjoy. Um, But I know this, when I'm in a workout and it's hard, if I give myself a way out, I'll take it. If I can, you know, sort of chintz on a rep or, you know, not hit all the reps, if I give myself that option, I will take it every time because it's hard. And I think it's the same way with marriage. If you give yourself a way out, you're probably going to take it. And so we have to go back to keeping that door shut. And also, last, let me say this. I can't recommend this enough. And I know, um, you know, some will say, I'm a counselor, and some will say, well, this is just, you know, you giving yourself some business. Um, I cannot overstate the importance of therapy or counseling when it comes to the problems that we have in our lives. Um, There are times where we get stuck that we need somebody to come alongside us and help us work through it. And so finding a good therapist, someone that has your same values and your same worldview as a Christian, is invaluable. You know, and in speaking of stuck as well, there are, there are phases in marital relationships that I would call stuck points. Um, stuck points being when you first have kids, um, major changes in your life, the sickness and death of a parent, retirement. There are these huge transition periods in lives where we tend to get stuck. And in those moments... Um, we, it's often valuable to have someone to help us work through those stuck points. And so if you feel like you're in a place where you don't love your spouse anymore, I would also advise you to analyze your life and say, am I in a stuck point right now? Am I fixing to launch children out of my house? Or have we just brought children into the house? Because these are areas where tension often rises in a relationship. Has one or both of us just made a career change? Have we just moved into a new environment? Is there some trauma going on in our lives? Are our parents okay? Is there sickness within our family? Various things like that, we need to ask ourselves, are we in what I would call one of these stuck points? Because it's situational and we have to figure out how to navigate out of that. And ideally when we do and we work through it together, the marriage will get to a place where it improves. Now certainly this isn't an exhaustive list of what to do or you know, how to handle it when we feel like we don't love our spouse. But I hope we've, we've given ourselves some things to think about what it means when we say we feel like we don't love our spouse. And so for anybody in this situation, uh, my, my closing remark is to hang in there, do the work, um, analyze your expectations, and to know that you made a commitment, honor the commitment, and eventually, if you work at it, the friendship and the emotions will return. And so that concludes our podcast for today. Thank you so much for tuning in, especially if you tune in week after week. If you've got a friend you think would love to hear this or needs to hear this, I would love it if you shared the podcast with them. 
And so, friends, keep asking questions. We are creatures that love to know. We are curious creatures. And so asking those questions as Christians is so valuable and also formulating answers because odds are if we have a question, someone else probably has that question as well. And so keep asking questions with me. Have a great week. God bless. And we'll see you right here next time. If you have a question you want to submit, find us on Facebook or email us, christianswithquestions at gmail.com. We'll see you next time.